Hello, my friend. Jeff C. here with a great new resource that I put together just for you. It's a complete database of all the tools that I use to create content and run my business. I've got apps, software, hardware, and even my favorite AI tools. It's easy to find what you need and tells you exactly how I'm using them in my business. To get access to my toolbox, just go to jeffc.com forward slash toolbox. That's J-E-F-F. S is in Sam, I-E-H. That's I before E, especially in C. That's how my mama had me learn it. So go check it out. And if you haven't heard me say it in a while, I appreciate you listening, my friend. And now, on with the episode. Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts, innovators, creators, storytellers, and the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C. And you're not. And I'm Eric Fisher. And this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media. Today, we are joined by Christine Gritman, and we're going to explore how you can build your brand on Twitter, as well as some of the newest changes and experiments that's been going on on Twitter. So Twitter kind of giveth and Twitter taketh away. Remember Fleet's little sad tear. Uh, We're going to cover today, we're going to be covering Twitter's testing new communities feature and what that means for brands. When we talk about super follows, what exactly that is and who is eligible. Twitter reactions, wanting more options than that heart like, well, you may have more options coming your way soon. And also the new Instagrammy layout that has been going around. So we're going to be breaking it down by Twitter community building, Twitter monetization strategies, and general Twitter updates. So Christine, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're traveling and doing some stuff. I appreciate you popping by today. Thank you for having me. And you know what? This means that it's today's not a waste of makeup because I've got two shows in a row here today. <laughs> That's right. I glued <laughs> on my beard on too. And yeah. I get to relax all weekend long. That's right. So I glued, glued on my beard. So I was, you know, I know how long it takes for some of that stuff. I so, shaved my head for this. Yeah. <laughs> Eric shaved his head. Well, well, you do have the mustache wax. That's right. Well, it's, you know, once it's earwax, but once you get past the smell, it's fine. Um, I want to do some shout outs to our friend today. Um, so yeah, he and goes the uh, the podcast machine is chugging away. That is right. Uh, and Sabrina, our friend Sabrina, hello, it's me, Sabrina. Hello, Sabrina, it's me, Jeff. Thank you so much for chiming in as always. Um, but let's go ahead. If you guys don't know who Christine is, she is amazing. She and Christine Gritman uh, empowers professionals to step into their personal brands in a bigger, bolder way on social media, and you can do it. And she'll teach you how. She's spoken on stages worldwide and is a, fe- a frequent expert guest on podcasts like like this one, live streams, Twitter chats, and blog posts, as well as hosting her own weekly Twitter chat, chat about brand, and live interview show right after this one. Let's talk about brand. So. Christine, thank you so much for being here today. You're so busy. Thank you for making the time for us. Thank you so much for having me on. This is great. Very cool. So, uh, Christine, you obviously Mm -hmm. are already really active on Twitter and you've got a Twitter chat you've been doing for a while. How has hosting your own Twitter chat helped you grow your brand? Well, it's interesting because participating in other people's Twitter chats helped grow my brand for a long time. Madeline Sklar's Twitter Smarter is certainly a, a classic, um, one of one of the biggest Twitter chats that there is, and, and it still is and has been for a while, and, and others over the years. So I, I knew how much other people's Twitter chats had enhanced my brand because it got me followers. I learned how to keep them <laughs> after those <laughs> spikes by continuing to be relevant and interesting. I also uh, learned how to maintain my spikes after events uh, because I live tweet sessions and I learned how to keep those people. And I just I just learned that there's a whole community out there who wants to help each other learn how to do things better, especially in marketing Twitter. And so about a year ago, I was like, you know what? I I was making this big shift into to go deeper into personal branding. And I changed my whole show. I had a live show before called Social. I relaunched a new live show called Let's Talk About Brand. And I said, you know what? Let's get a Twitter chat going too. Every week on Tuesday, I have my chat, Chat About Brand. And it's on the same specific element of branding 
as my Friday live stream show. The chat has actually turned out to be way more popular, which I was not expecting, but it has brought just so many new people into my Twitter world. People tag their friends, people see the hashtag trending, and everybody is learning. That's the best part. Mm. But the fact that I had been a participant in so many Twitter chats first meant that I had opinions over what I did and didn't want in my own Twitter chat. So I think that that also shows, I think it shows that I'm someone who understands the user experience of Twitter chats. And I think that's why it has done so well. And that's why it has helped me build my own kind of, you know, thought leadership. <laughs> but it has helped build my personal brand as someone who not only knows about personal branding, but who's also open and generous and wants to help everyone educate each other as a community. Very cool. So uh, I have a question. This is a great question. And I think a lot of people feel this way. And this is from Ian. He goes, Twitter was my first love, but then it grew kind of cold. Can you help? I think that my issue is it's just too fast moving. Am I too old? And Ian, you, if you're too old, then I'm too old. But uh, what do you say to, to Ian, Christine? I feel the same way about Facebook, actually. <laughs> For a long time, I was such a Facebook diehard. I defended it through the Facebook pop Facebook apocalypse of uh, January 2018. I, I was all about rah-rah Facebook. And in the past year in particular, I just... Twitter's where the love was for mm -hmm. me. And I think a lot of it depends on what you're going there for. For me, Twitter is about conversations. I learned that if I just wanted to post content for people to consume, Twitter was perhaps not the best place. But once I got into conversations and embraced that element of Twitter, I found a lot of like-minded people. I've developed um, some great relationships. And it's because, in my opinion, it's a little easier to find commonality on Twitter than it is in some other places. On Facebook, Facebook is too heavily algorithmic. It sort of drowns out everything. And I understand why. Again, I'm a big Facebook defender, but it means I don't really see things that I don't really connect with people the way I can on Twitter. Twitter's more open. There are fewer barriers to entry. So I can talk to anyone on there. We don't have to be friends. We don't have to know the same people. But if we do know the same people, it becomes that much easier to find each other and connect. Twitter chats have been a great way to find people. I just feel there's so many ways to get involved in those conversations that are already happening and to start conversations that will attract like-minded people on Twitter more than on any other platform. But if you go on there expecting it to be a content platform, you will be disappointed. Mm, those are great tips. So, um, and um, this is from our, my friend over on LinkedIn, Colin goes confirmed, Jeff is too old. Where is the boot, where's the boot button? I gotta put that on my uh, stream deck there. Uh, so good to see you here, Colin. Um, my dad's on Twitter and he's 78. See, take that Colin, uh, take that. That's all I'm gonna say. So um, that, that's really, so I wanted to ask, cause I, I love Twitter chats when, I know Eric and I, especially when we, gosh, I think when we first met, we, we did a lot of Twitter chats and we were on like, Buffer had a great one and some of the other ones. Um, and there were some tools that we used, and I know some of them were kind of went away. But the big thing with Twitter chats, and mm -hmm. I want to pull up yours again, it's the chat about brand. So guys, go search that on Twitter after the show. Um, what is, what's a good tool for, because it's like a fire hose when you do some of those really popular chats. And I'm sure it's like that with yours. Is there any That's tools crazy. that you, you, you recommend for people to kind of manage Twitter chats? So I'm going to mention a few, okay. but I will say first and foremost, I don't use any of them. What I do <laughs> is I have three browser tabs open right next to each other. Mm -hmm. I have the profile of the person who's running the chat because sometimes you get cut off in all the other stuff and you miss a question. So I like keeping that refreshed. And I do this even when the person running the chat is myself. The other, the second tab is I follow the chat hashtag and have it set to sort to latest. Mm. Not to most popular, but to latest, because I want to keep up on that. And I keep refreshing that as well. And then the third one I have open is my own notifications. A lot of people do this with different kind of columns on TweetDeck. That's mm -hmm. a very popular tool for Twitter chats. I found TweetDeck didn't refresh quickly enough for my tastes. Gotcha. I find browser tabs a little faster on the refresh. And then also, if you are using a scheduler, like I know Hootsuite also has the ability to sort of sort things like that. Um, Agora Pulse is great, but I haven't personally looked at it in that type of view. Gotcha. But a lot of a lot of the schedulers that also have social monitoring will have the ability to sort of 
do essentially what I said, or you have the person who is running the chat and then you have the chat hashtag that you're following. And then you have your own notifications if you're interested in that sort of thing. But I just do three browser tabs, honestly. Awesome. That's, that's a great, those are great tips. So by the way, for you guys listening on the podcast, you can go find that at hashtag chat about brand. So make sure you follow her and Tuesdays at noon. noon. So go check her out at Tuesdays at noon at chat about brand. Um, by the way, um, so, uh, Sabrina says this, I just followed Christine on Twitter. Her branding is out of this world. So that's awesome. Thank you for, and it is, um, one of the things you also need to search the talk. Look at all her gifts. If you go to, um, uh, you can search uh, in pretty much, I think, any GIF, you know, directory. Yeah. You can just go to giphy.com slash Christine Gritman, yeah. and you will see way more than you ever wanted to see of me just doing goofy <laughs> stuff correct. up in my attic. I actually used one. Over I, and over again. Because I have a chat, a, a, a text-based sign-up to remind of people, and I actually was able to use one of your gifts to send out to all. So that was really cool. So I think that's genius branding. That. So very, very I cool. I need to go back and re-edit all of them, though, because it seems like, oh, genius branding. But because I didn't do it initially with branding in mind, I just mm. did it for fun. I don't have anything that tells you who I am. Oh. So I need to go back and edit in like a watermark of my Twitter handle or my name or something so that it actually serves me. Uh, so Liz, our friend Liz, Eric says, I just joined Twitter last week. I don't know if that's Ooh. true or not, uh, but because Liz is on top of things. But uh, if she does, this show is for you, Liz. So stick around because you're going to get yes. a great a bunch of stuff off of this. By the way, something that is for you, I want to tell you guys about our sponsors of this show, which is the amazing folks over at Ecamm. They just had a conference. It was called Leap Into Live Streaming Bootcamp. People like Pat Flynn, Leslie Samuel, Stephanie Lube were there. But it's over now. I know. It's very sad. But the cool thing is they have uh, a replay thing for $10 for life. You can see all of these. If you go to ecam.tv forward slash replay, that's ecam.tv forward slash replay. You can sign up for those for $10. I guarantee you just one of them is worth it. Um, Go there. Check it out. If you don't find anything there that you think, you know, Float your boat. Let me know because I don't know if you're looking in the right place. It's amazing. Um, Leslie Samuels is worth the, the $10. So ecam.tv forward slash replay. Make sure to check it out. There's tons and tons and tons of great info there. I did a session. I'd love to know what you guys think of that as well. So check them out. All right. So, so also, we are going to. Last gonna... year's Leap Into Live from Ecamm was also pretty killer. And there's a session from me in last year's. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, that yeah. So, well. all the cool people are there. Go check it out at, uh, at ecamm.tv uh, forward slash uh, replay uh, down there. So, um, let's get started with this because we got a, t- a ton to talk about. We're going to be talking right about this new building. We're going to be, t- this whole thing is going to be building a community on, on Twitter, this first section. And we're going to be talking about this new, uh, Twitter communities, which is really, really interesting. So the short of it is these communities work quite similarly to the way, you know, groups on Facebook and Reddit subreddit work. So once a person joins a specific community, they're able to share their tweets with not only their followers, but also members of the community who can like or reply to the tweets sent by them who can then also like any other group. So this community will have a few moderators who will set some ground rules accordingly and allow people in the community, which are open to all Twitter users. And the option also allows people to create their own communities freely. Now, um, Twitter is also working to improve the access to the communities by adding its handle to the center of the main navigation bar and its mobile application. Uh, But it's only available now on iOS and on the website, but not on the Android version yet. So this is rolling out to just, yeah, I know, to select people. And the interesting thing about this is these tweets in these communities are public, but the replies will be limited to other community members. So, you know, we talked about this and the people who can create a community right now is just a select few that they've rolled out this test to. It's going to eventually open up to a bunch of different people. So, um, what do you think of this whole communities thing? Is this something that you're going to use, you know, with your Twitter chat? Or are you going to start like when this rolls out, Christine, what are your thoughts? Like kind of, you know, as a, a branding expert, how can, you know, businesses use this community once it rolls out to everybody? Well, it's interesting. Cause, um, 
some people over the years have referred to Twitter as a dumpster fire because <laughs> there's because again there there aren't gates between things it's pretty open to to everyone and so sometimes that results in some people uh, you know getting a little messy mm-hmm. so this is yet another way to actually curate your Twitter experience to keep it relevant my Twitter's not a dumpster fire because I follow great people mm-hmm. and so that's what shows up on my feed it got a little messy at times last year when I started uh, dipping into politics a bit, but I've stopped that. And now it's just a happy place. So Twitter is what you make of it. This is a further way to refine your experience. It, it seems like a natural continuation of the lists feature. Oh, yeah. There, yeah, there have been Twitter lists forever where you can identify certain accounts um, by category and you can just look at those people and see what they're up to. I have a list uh, called Chat About Brand Rockstars. And anytime anyone even enters a single tweet into my chat, I add them to that list, partially to make them feel a sense of belonging and a sense of sort of a buy in to the chat because they're on this list, but also because honestly, those are people who I know are interested in this topic. And so sometimes I just want to look at them. So this seems like a natural continuation of that to sort of identify people who you want to develop relationships with, who you want to have conversations with. It can be very useful there. I don't know exactly how communities are going to work in terms of if I'm going to want to make a specific chat about brand community or what, but personal branding will certainly be a topic. And it's just one more way you know, on the sinister side, one more way for Twitter to keep you on the platform so they can serve <laughs> ads to you and get data from you. But on the non-sinister side, it is a great way to build community because Twitter becomes a place where people you like are having conversations you're interested in. Um, and this is yet another way to tailor that experience so that you have a good experience every time you come on. That's a great point. So, yeah, I think they're exciting. What about you, Eric? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, my my thoughts are this is this could get interesting. I, I I'm trying to get my head around the whole Venn diagram of the tweets are public, but and so people outside the community will be able to see it, but then also not reply, and that's interesting to me. But maybe um, you know it's it's at least one more step towards visibility, especially if a lot of people are interacting with your tweets from that community. So I, I think it's definitely worth trying out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, regarding the public-private element of that, I think that that bodes well or poorly, depending how, on how well you've built your brand, in terms of that means that on the plus side, people who are really interested can sort of shout you off the rooftops and can, and can you know, anything someone else says about you is always going to be more valuable than anything you could possibly say about yourself or your brand or your own expertise. So this could, if you play your cards right, be a fantastic source of user-generated content, of testimonials, of things of that sort for brands. It can be a good thing that it's private yet public because it means the people who are going to be speaking are people who are invested and interested. And the people who are going to be seeing is everybody. Mm. So that can be good, but that can also backfire. Of course, you know, if you are in that community and you are a bad actor in that community, that means that it can really blow you up publicly. So yes, proceed with caution. So I think it's interesting because, you know, that was, you know, I've helped some brands before when they have like a paid uh, Facebook group or a paid, a paid community somewhere where, you know, you, you pay a certain amount of money and you get in there. And the problem has always been is like, it's hard to show how great that community is you know, outside of that walled garden and being able to do this where people can see what's going on inside of that community, but aren't able to talk is a really interesting take on things that I think if you, if brands do it right, it'll be a great way to look, Hey, look at this community, the brands in there talking, they're sharing ideas and all this stuff. It's public. But if you want to respond and have, you know, get into in the conversation, you need to join that community. I think it's a great way to build communities quickly. It's also just like to your point, Christine, if brands are in there and just link dumping, then people are going to see like, listen, there's no, why would I need to join this community? Because there's no value in there anyway. So once again, the cream is going to rise to the top. So I think it's really interesting uh, how they're, they're able to do this. Then the privacy thing is also really interesting how eventually this will all shake up. Um, couple points. Colin has a great point here. He says that over from uh, LinkedIn, he goes, if these communities end up being anything like subreddits, it's going to be a big place where people hang out. So what are your thoughts on that, Christine? Yeah, 
Again, I think it's a way for Twitter to get people to spend more time on the platform because you're able to curate that experience. Uh, I know our friend Brian Fanzo calls Twitter the unfiltered fire hose. Right. And this is a way to filter that fire hose and make it a water fountain, you know, oh, a filtered water. That's a great visual. I love <laughs> it's that. Crisp, it's cool. It's delicious. It's hydrating. It's not hitting you in the face and making you feel like you're being waterboarded. You know, that's what Twitter can. Yeah, that's why she builds brands, folks, that great uh, word picture she does. Um, so, Eric, let's talk about this next thing, which is still inside of communities, talked about the, these Twitter reactions. So tell us what these are. You're the ones who, who brought this to my attention. Yeah. First. So, so Twitter, we saw this happen a long time ago on Facebook, I think, initially, and then LinkedIn also. Um, it's still an option in different places on like maybe uh, in DMs replies on Instagram. But what I'm talking about here is basically having the option of which reaction you're going to give, not just a like, but also all the different faces, you know, so emoji reactions, et cetera, um, beyond just a like. And so Twitter's testing this out right now where they've got like face with the tears of joy or clapping hands or the crying face or the heart. And, um, Twitter saying that they might expand this to users in more countries, depending upon the response. My thinking is, you know, I'm questioning, is this a good idea? Are people set on, I remember, remember for a long time, it was a star and then they switched it to a heart and it was like, oh, instead of book, you know, there's the whole bookmarking right. versus endorsement or liking debate that happened. I don't know how many years ago now, two, three, something like that. Um, we kind of got over that everybody kind of made their peace with it. But I think having multiple reactions may give us wiggle room to um, not just bookmark, but maybe, you know, I'm just, I'm not liking someone's tweet, especially if it's like sympathy. Some, I want to show sympathy. I'm not, I don't want right. to like the tweet. I want to like, yeah. you know, give, your dog died. You don't want to like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? In fact, I think one of the best things that happened early in the pandemic was Facebook coming out with the one that was like the heart with the like cares. The arm around yeah. the care one right and so having that option really then gave the ability to do that on facebook to 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 empathize without endorsement or you know oh tragedy like you know or mm -hmm. heart lo i love your tragedy no so and or just go to the negative with sad so right. yeah but what do we what do you guys think about this how do you think about i mean is is does this matter um or is it too little too late what say you christine what are your thoughts? Well, I think it matters for, for the reasons that you said, which is sometimes you don't want to like something. So I think it will result in greater engagement, first of all, because a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't want to like that. So they just swipe by it because there's nothing else to do unless you have a comment. So this is another way to, to engage which is nice. It's a continuation of what they're doing in Twitter spaces. Twitter spaces have had emojis for a while now. In fact, I'm really annoyed they don't have the red heart. Every single week, <laughs> I co-host a Twitter space about spaces with Madeline Sklar on Thursdays. Every week, I complain about the lack of heart in there. I want more reactions. But I, th I think that that's going to be good. Um, but I also think that algorithmically it will be good the same way it is on Facebook. On Facebook, a reaction is valued more than a like because it shows a little bit of extra thought and it shows a little bit of extra insight. People have taken that extra second to make a choice versus just clicking the like button. So I think it will also work well in terms of informing Twitter's algorithm how people feel about different things. That's a great point, because I think one of the things that um, I really, you know, the, like Eric was saying, do you use the the like button as a bookmark thing where you can go back and do it? There's not really a way now. I mean, I use it to like, hey, oh, yeah, there is. Twitter has bookmarks. There's a bookmark, actually. I don't function. even use it. But do you do yeah. you use it? <laughs> well, it exists. I do. Oh well, I do. see, see, I don't even know what's going on. That's why I have expert guests on. But Jeff, this show is for you. This to is learn. for me. I am learning. I'm taking <laughs> notes. So the 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 question is, um, would the heart go away? Would it go, or would it be like rolled in with m more? What do they have like the heart and then the laugh and like those other things? That's the, the interesting thing. Oh, they thing. better keep a heart. I'm obsessed with the red heart emoji and not just because it's red. It's because generally I have a positive presence on Twitter and I love loving things. And so I'm going to be annoyed if that heart goes away. It better be one of the options. Oh, In see. this test, the heart is still listed as one of the options. Okay. So Okay. We'll see. Uh, and Dustin agrees with you. Your heart will go on. 
<laughs> Dustin agrees with you. I'm mad at the lack of hearts and spaces too. Yeah, Twitter. I mean, I Dustin's a big uh, Twitter Spaces guy. Um, back to the communities thing because I wanted to bring this up bef- before we move on to our next part of the community uh, section. Is Ian says he's surprised that Twitter hasn't built their own Twitter chat platform into the system. Maybe uh, communities goes part of that way. What are you, what about yes. that, Christine? Like, would you have a a Twitter chat inside of a community? Would that give you? I mean, I don't yeah. know the benefit or versus the pros versus cons on that. I haven't really, I'll admit, I haven't really had a good look at uh, what the test for communities looks like. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the what the UI is really going to be. Right. But I, I could see that absolutely making sense because you have an audience that has already self-identified as belonging to a community, as being interested in a topic. So I think that makes perfect sense. In fact, I wonder... To Ian's point, if that's specifically where chats will move to. Mm, yeah, that would be cool. I, who knows? But I mean, anything that helps build community on any platform, I think, is great. And to your point, yes, they're doing it on purpose to keep people on the platform. And this may be like a big deal, especially like Colin's point, if it's going to be like a red, a subreddit or something like that, that would keep it people on the there. whole way we use Twitter. It can change the default Twitter behavior. Yeah. So anyway, back. I want to throw this back at you guys. So. Ian, who is a big, he's got a lot of followers on Twitter. He says he doesn't have the ability to bookmark in Twitter. Is this only available to special people? You just might not know. See, um, you're not. Yeah. I mean, if Jeff didn't know, and he probably has it. Yeah. I almost never use them. I'm looking at it on my phone now. So on my phone, when I look at a tweet, I've got the little thing to comment, the thing to retweet, the thing to heart, or the little up button, which is for sharing. But if I to that then i get the bookmark option i don't remember how to do it on desktop but in honesty i i rarely bookmark tweets especially now that desktop has the option to schedule tweets for later the main way that i would use bookmarks for tweets is less for my own reference to look at later and more for my own reference to share later when i've just tweeted something and i don't want to tweet something immediately so a lot of times now i'll just go on desktop and i will schedule that tweet to share at a later time but um but yeah bookmarks are a very handy feature i know that's how it works on um, mobile i'm not sure how it works on desktop but it should be an option available to everybody it's just a little bit hidden it's not right there smacking you in the face at the bottom of the tweet gotcha very cool so now yeah. you know I, I use it i use it that same way i will bookmark something especially if i've just shared or retweeted or something i'll hit the share and then bookmark so that i can go back into it later and then hit it again the share button and send it over to Instagram to do like Instagram stories. Now oh, that yeah. that native ability is there. Yeah, that's cool. So Pat Mills, our friend. dimensional chess here. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah. So our friend Pat Mills says he, she really likes the idea of communities on Twitter. She'll be watching this. But here's Dustin. He's on the cutting edge all the time. He goes, I got invited to my first community yesterday. The he meant UI is really basic. And um, so, yeah, Dustin, I would love to, uh, if you have screenshots, to drop them in for the people could see what it looks like. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And Ian, you are correct. This is the show to learn. Even the hosts learn things as they're going on today. <laughs> uh, and speaking of learning, our next uh, community um, kind of update is Twitter has started to flag bots. And what does that mean? So what it means is that uh, they're new, introducing a new feature that will allow accounts to self-identify uh, sorry, self-identify as bots by adding a label to their profile. And this feature is designed to help people better differentiate between automated accounts like bots that retweet the news, vaccine, you know, where to go get vaccinated, and other updates by those operated by human. It's not, however, designed to help us identify bad bots, unfortunately, because I think that would be really cool. Um, But this is uh, like from like 2018, uh, CEO Jack Dorsey said during a Senate Senate intelligence community hearing that he believed that users had a right to know if they were speaking to a bot or human. So this has been in the works for a while. So um, I'm really interested. Have you seen any of these flagged bots in the wild yet, Christine? I have not. I honestly didn't know that was a thing until we talked about this episode. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) I have not seen the bot situation. I understand it. I just really, something like that really relies upon people self-reporting. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we can count on that. I don't know if this feature is going to work as well as they're expecting. 
Oh, that's a good point. So I was thinking that maybe, um, you know, I mean, I get it for like, if you're talking or making an appointment or something like that as, as, or like looking for, you know, I mean, like the reservations, I think even some airlines do like bots back at you having that designation that you're talking about that. I mean, I think most of us know, but I guess there's, it's always better to, you know, have that label. What are your thoughts, Eric? I mean, you, you run into bots. Yeah. I mean, I wish that it included the ability to designate yourself as a good bot, you know, instead of a bad robot. And I I think that, uh, yeah, in in your example that you were just using with like an airline, it's like, how does it make me as a user feel when I'm interacting with um, an account that is auto replying to me, you know, in the DMs or otherwise, uh, if I know it's automated, I'm going to be less likely to feel like, you know, because I don't have a whole lot of confidence in chatbots, to be quite honest. It's like, eh, you can't really help me if, you know, I'm the kind of person who'd rather call up and talk to a human. And I'm, and now here's my age. I'd rather do that than like type questions into an automated thing when it doesn't really, at least to my point, have proven itself as reliable to understand what I'm saying, let alone give me the answer I want to hear. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it's anything that helps do that and that will help communities. Like if you know that, I I mean, I know like if my mom got on a Facebook bot and started talking to somebody, she would assume that it was real. I mean, she would, she would like, if she got on a bot and like, even some of our friends who have like lead magnets, like if she'd got in one of those things, we know, cause we're in marketing that it's a, you know, I'm getting put in a funnel and this is, you know, how we get our stuff. But a lot of people I think don't. And I think, Hopefully that Facebook would do this kind of thing. So uh, Ian goes, he's with you, Eric, long live the human. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the other thing, so, so before we move on to our, our monetization strategies that Twitter's doing, I want to ask this question. Um, what does Christine think, this is from Ian, what does Christine think of tools like Triber and tools that allow you to share other content? Are they useful tools or are they just spammy? I don't even know about those tools. I'm extremely human on my Mm. social media. I schedule very, very little. I use Agora Pulse each week to schedule a whole bunch of promotional posts for my show. And that is it. That is just so I can free up time so that I can engage. Oh, and I also schedule my my chat questions, but I'm I'm pretty much on. And might it be better if if I had a tool helping me curate content and helping me find things like that? I mean, it would help me save time, but the fact is I'm, I'm interested in social media. So I'm a okay, just finding it on Twitter because I'm following good sources. Mm. So I I don't have enough of an opinion on those tools to have an opinion on them. I mean, I don't have enough awareness of them to have an opinion on them, but I would say just like with automation, any tool should really, any tool used on social media should be used in the service of getting you to better human interactions versus replacing human interactions. I think that's true with automation. I think that's true with curation tools. I think that it just needs to be in the service of making the human element better, more productive, taking a little further along. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And in fact, uh, Sabrina says she always asks if you're a real person. <laughs> so maybe that's why she goes, hi, it's me, Sabrina, at the beginning. So we know that it's not the Sabrina bot that is. Uh, that's what a robot would say. That's, yeah, that's right. Exactly. No, we know Sabrina is real. I've, I've talked to her before. So, yeah, that's a great point. Um, so let's let's move on to our next section. We're going to be talking about some new Twitter monetization strategies, which everybody wants to know about. So, Eric, talk to us about the super follows. It sounds like a new Marvel movie, but talk about super follows. Yes, super follows. So uh, this is a way that creators can set a monthly subscription price, and it varies. You can be two ninety nine, four ninety nine, nine ninety nine. Uh, and it provides fans with access to bonus uh, behind the scenes content of their choosing. Generally, that's like extra tweets or Q&As or interactions with um, other subscribers. So it's kind of like behind the scenes access that you're paying for. And uh, essentially, Twitter's opened up super follows to a, super followers, super follows, sorry, to a handful of creators. Um 
and they're saying that there's few fewer than a hundred creators right now that have access to this, but uh, they're looking. Let's see. So they've also got a bunch of different things to break down here in terms right. of like what you've what the requirements are, um, all that kind of different good stuff. Like you've got to be at least eighteen years old. That's good. Uh, must have ten thousand active followers and have posted at least twenty five tweets in the previous month. Again, I think most of us are safe in these regards. <laughs> uh, active for at least three months. Have a complete Twitter profile with header image. Must have a verified email address and account must be secured with two factor authentication. So those are all good things. I think that's a that's a really good qualifications. Yeah. So so Christine, have you super followed anyone yet? <laughs> I have not yet. And it's interesting because my first thought, as many people's first thoughts were what would make you want to pay someone for their tweets? We're used to getting tweets for free. Why on earth would we pay? But then I thought a little more and I realized that Patreon exists mm -hmm. and a lot of people support their favorite podcasts. I have a Patreon now for chat about brand and let's talk about brand where I just take people a little deeper into the week's lessons and how they can apply them to their own brand. So there is value you can offer that people are accustomed or starting to become accustomed to pay for with things like Patreon. And I know that Twitter's own tip jar feature, which is still new and in beta, um, some people are using it. Some people have a buy me a coffee link mm -hmm. on top in their pinned tweet. So people are starting to pay creators for things. YouTube for years has had a thing where you can literally pay to have your comment highlighted in the chances that the creator will read it on air. So. Audiences have shown that they are willing to pay a little bit for content. The question is, can Twitter handle such a change to how people are using it? Are people who have been using Twitter for all these years for free going to see anything sufficiently valuable to pay for? So that's interesting because, um, so f you brought up the YouTube example. I like, I go to Nick Nimmons. He does a great uh, chat on Saturday mornings about live video and YouTube and all the stuff. And I will pay for it. You know, uh, what do they call it on YouTube? I can't even think of it now. Um, like a super comment or yeah, something. Super yeah. It, I'll do that. Cause it brings it to the top of the feed and he will answer those. So I think for that kind of reason, if you have a big following that makes sense because then, you know, people can pay yeah. to get their question answered. Um, I can, I consider doing it. I could consider, doing super follows for my chat right now it wouldn't work right now right. if i tried to charge people to be part of my chat they'd say no right. <laughs> my yeah. chat needs participants to exist so right. that wouldn't work out well but it's possible after a little while once people get used to okay this is how twitter works now right maybe i could move my chat to be a paid thing we'll see yeah doc rock yeah. had something interesting a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about building a community that his his community actually said doc you got to do buy me a coffee or you know patreon or something because you're giving so much we we want to give back and so i would say because i even turned on the tip jar which is in on twitter now that you can have so i would if you have access to those tools go ahead and turn them on even if you think like you're not big enough or you're not have enough followers or whatever if you're able to do that turn that on because you just never know because if you're providing content people do want to give back so i just think that's really so um christine i still think people would probably pay for your twitter chat it's that good i'm hoping i mean we'll we'll see as soon as i have the tip jar option you know i'm turning it on so um i'm literally last time i checked my phone i was five people away from having ten thousand followers uh, so, so soon, come on folks soon, go uh let's bump that up over the top before this is over come on right so back to this the super follows thing is is dustin let's says he's his super follows uh, application has been sitting in limbo for over a month and he goes also tip jar yeah, for the win. They review them all in a big batch. They review yeah. all that stuff in a big batch. They just reviewed, and I know we're talking about ticketed spaces uh, in a bit, but I know mm -hmm. that they just approved a whole batch of those the other day. I was part of it and suddenly I saw a bunch of people popping on my screen with that. Same with right. spaces in general. I think they do big batches. And so 
they'll probably be doing a big batch of super follow approvals soon. Yeah. And Justin, he's, they also did Bitcoin yesterday for some iOS users. So he got it. So it's interesting how all this stuff is starting. I love it when they monetize creators. I think that's great because we're the ones who are providing content for their platform. So I think the better they do. Um, one thing I do want to point out is that uh, at launch, Twitter opened up super follows to just a handful of creators. So it's, there's still like fewer than a hundred creators in total who have access to super follows and it didn't roll out as big as they thought. They only like saw like $12,400 in gross revenue in this first month. Uh, but that's, it's slowly rolling out. The interesting thing is you guys want to take note of is like, there's, it's like, you can have all these different tiers, but like, let's say it's a four ninety nine super follow subscription cost. Well, if you're going through Apple, that's one fifty is what Apple will take out for an in-app purchase fee. And then there's 0.10%. I mean, 10 cents is Twitter's share. So, and then, you know, you're only going to take home about $3 and 39 cents. So they're, yeah, and it's a grow, buy me a coffee, but it is not buy me a Starbucks coffee. That's it's right. A it's maybe buy me a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. It's black it's coffee. Coupon. It's black coffee. So, and it's also like, if you, if you go so high, then they take a bigger cut. So anyway, just be uh, aware of, of that stuff. You can apply. And if you go into your app and there's a thing that uh, says monetization, you can click on that. And that's how, like, I got the chip jar and that's where you would also apply if you have these things that eric read earlier what you have to have before you can actually get into it Ten thousand followers you know 25 tweets that kind of thing so that's where i won't where count on it to pay my mortgage with it'll <laughs> maybe keep me in red lipstick there you go that's what eric needs so yes. um <laughs> the second thing we're going to talk about in monetization is this what you mentioned earlier is ticketed spaces so uh twitter announced not very long ago that um Ticketed spaces, let me see, is uh, it's it's coming. It's some people have already have it, so you can apply for it right now. Um, live this live audio feature that you know Christine does, that Dustin does, um, are going to be allowing to sell this access to ticketed spaces. They first opened in June for the application, and you got to be over eighteen. You've got to host three spaces in the last thirty days and have at least a thousand followers. And Twitter said they're going to take at least three percent cut of earnings from ticketed spaces. But since the feature is only currently available on this iOS platform, that means once again that it's going to be subject to Apple's thirty percent uh, in-app purchase fee. So a creator will only a creator will only see sixty-seven percent of each ticket sale. So um, anyway, and then if it goes up past fifty thousand, which be happy if you got $50,000 from Twitter, uh, then it's going to raise the commission rate from 3% to 20%. So um, it's really interesting how this is different between the other live audio competitors like Clubhouse. Um, and because, you know, those places let you tip speakers or give them badges like on Instagram, but they haven't enabled, enabled like advanced ticket sales, which is kind of cool with spaces. So um to me, Spaces seems like a low friction way for brands to build community and talk directly to their customers and, and leads. Should this be something that they monetize or would you just like, okay, Spaces is going to be a place where I communicate? What are your thoughts on that, Christine? You're muted right now for some reason. Oh, on the one hand, it is content creation, so I understand monetizing it. On the other hand, again, because it is a shift, because it's something users are used to getting for free, I think that the shift needs to be if you're going to charge for a space, you have to be shifting more towards the idea of it being a service. So for example, if I charged for a ticketed space, I could probably do a thing where, you know, people who bought tickets get a chance in the hot seat where they can ask me direct questions and I can maybe, you know, give them direct tips on their own personal branding on Twitter, something like that. I think it needs to move more into the arena of, of being more than a conversation, actually providing some sense of service. Hmm, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, do you think it would make sense? I mean, I understand like I shouldn't go do it with only my amount of followers on Twitter, but if you were a big brand, say like HubSpot or, you know, Guy Kawasaki is one of my clients that he's got gazillion followers. Would it make sense for somebody like that? Would you base it on follower count or would it be, would it still be better to have it as a place where you just interact with your fans or your community? I never base anything on follower count simply because it's, it's, 
follower count on any platform is about quality, not quantity. So you could have 300 incredibly engaged followers and have more traction than someone who has 10,000 non-engaged followers. So I don't think it would be that. But to your point about someone like HubSpot or someone like Guy Kawasaki, I'd say look at it as the difference between all the free information you can get from watching somebody's YouTube video versus paying to see them speak. Why do we do that? Why do we pay to see someone speak when, you know, they're turning up as guests on podcasts and YouTube videos? And there's a reason for that. And that's because I I feel like people kind of bring it a little bit more when it's a speaker situation. You might get to talk to them. I think looking at it in a similar way, why would someone pay to hear you speak or to speak with you. You know what I really wish they'd do, actually? I don't think this is part of their plan. I would love it if they had a hybrid ticketed, non-ticketed space where only ticketed attendees could request the mic. I think Mm. that would be the perfect hybrid because plenty of people would get the opportunity to you know, listen and to benefit from the space the way that they are accustomed to doing at this point. It happened very rapidly, but now it's a part of how we use Twitter, right? But only the people who are paying for the privilege can actually have a voice in that conversation. I think that hybrid model would make sense. But in the interim, I think that the way that people are going to get people to pay are, first of all, if you have that type of pull, again, it's less about audience size. It's more about how your audience looks to you. Do they look up to you? Would they pay for your knowledge? Would they pay to come hear you speak? And look at it in that way. And also look at it with uh, the unique element of the spaces feature. Really give them a voice in the conversation if they're paying you and give them some degree of feeling like they're part of it, feeling like this is a special thing that they're paying for, feeling like it's almost a service. That's a great point. So by the way, um, uh, Sabrina, let us know, Christine, well, somebody is at 10,000 now. So you passed the mark. And Dustin says he just followed Christine on Twitter from all of his accounts. So we got you past the 10K. So... There you go. But now I'll get below it and above it and below it and above it like all weekend long. So I'll, you just I'll gotta feel push, confident. Just got to push a little for everybody who's listening to this after the fact as a yes. recording needs yes. to go over to her account and follow it as well to keep it pushed over that limit. So Yeah. So we are a minute past the time you said you needed to leave, Christine. So I want to let make sure you have a chance to tell everybody before. We've got more news, so stick around. But uh, I want to make sure that Christine gets a chance to tell everybody where they can find you and your show that's coming up in 15 minutes. Yeah, well, in 15 minutes, you can find me um, on Let's Talk About Brand, which is my Friday live stream that airs at 12 noon Eastern every Friday, where we talk to where I talk to a guest expert for half an hour, just half an hour, not a whole hour about a specific topic of personal branding. So today I'm talking to personal stylist Nipa Sikdar about branding with style. And next week, I'm talking to Galen Emanuel about brand and internal culture and how they really need to fit together. So we do a whole variety of topics. And again, it is always the same topic as my Tuesday Twitter chat, Chat About Brand, which does not have a guest, but is on the same topic. So Tuesday, we get your brain working. We hopefully educate you a bit on the topic. Friday, you get to hear me interview a guest expert on the topic. And if you're a Patreon member, you also get the benefit of a customized um, sheet basically every week where um, I, I give you specific tips from that guest expert interview about how you can specifically apply these learnings to your own brand as you build it. And different Patreon levels have additional things. Some of them you can actually talk to me. So um, that always goes up. But at, at bare minimum, you get my help because I want to build everybody's brand. I want everybody to shine. You're all rock stars. Awesome. Well, Christine, thank you so much for joining us today. We will continue the show, sadly, without you. But thank you so much. I know you have a show to get ready for. I know what that means. So uh, we will see you (laughs) you later. And we'll make sure to send everybody over to your show after this. Yep. Bye now. Thank you. See ya. All right, Eric. Talk about Twitter blue before we, because we're still talking about monetization strategy. So tell us what this is. It's not, it's like only for one country right now. So, but it could come to the United States. So tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, that one country, actually, I think it's two countries, Canada and Australia. Oh, I thought it was Turkey. Okay, I was wrong. Go ahead. Yeah, it says Canada and Australia or something there. At least it's listing the prices for this under Canadian and Australian monies. Right. I don't know the term. Anyways, uh, Twitter Blue is a subscription 
uh, from Twitter, and it allows you to unlock features that aren't available to unsubscribed users. This is kind of like you've seen for a very long time where people have said, I would pay a monthly fee to Facebook if I never had to see ads on there again. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I think I might be one of them. That was but you. Yeah. that's not the point. This is Twitter. And Twitter is offering this idea to retract your tweets before they go live. Yeah. That's almost a, a redo or an undo or an edit right. button, like long coveted edit button. Um, so there's like a timer before your tweet goes live for about 30 seconds. So it's like a, oh, no, I didn't mean to send that email. Pull it back. There's bookmarking folders that let you group save tweets to make them easy to find later. We were just talking about bookmarks earlier. Reader mode that lets you set up threads and turn them into an easy to read uh, text kind of um, curated Thing to read mashing together tweets into one page and some are just purely the ability to change the color of the twitter app icon <laughs> right. Whatever. which i've seen like so for example we both use overcast and mm-hmm. one of the i i don't know if that's one of the features that's paid or not i think it originally was but you can change the icon of the app on your phone if you're paid i know there's some apps out there that do, do that same thing and it's purely aesthetic it doesn't really matter doesn't function in any way but there you go um other than like that 30 second undo feature like which of these features are worth paying for i don't i don't know that's the only one i could think of bookmarks we already have which i found out we had today um and the reader mode it's just making it easy read text i just don't think that's something that I would pay for now, but the 32nd, Oh my gosh, I should have never sent that tweet to that person. That would be, especially if you spend a lot of times in bars late at night, I could see that would be a handy, handy dandy thing. I'm not sure 30 seconds is going to save you in that scenario, but right. You know, (laughs) delete it the next morning. But Dustin here, it says he's got, he's, he says, am I weird that I'm just dying for a reason to pay Twitter? Even it's just shaped. Now, Dustin, I know because he he is a color guy. He actually organizes his whole iPhone like icons in like colors. He's yeah. one of those. He's one of those kind of people. But uh, yeah, so um, but I, I could see Dustin paying for that. But anyway, uh, he would pay uh, he's to ninety nine dollars a month for an edit tweet <laughs> button. That is hilarious. So okay, you so that's the monetization me. that we've talked about. I want to wrap up the show today with some interesting kind of Twitter updates and experiments. And um, I didn't, I was going to bring a a picture of this, but this first one is that Twitter is experimenting with a way when I mentioned at the beginning that it was kind of uh, Instagram-y, they are, are setting up this way to have this more immersive experiment. You may have seen this. I don't have it yet, Um, but it's this edge to edge tweets. uh, And the, the, um, the image is edge to edge, like Instagram on iOS. So it's going to be full width images and videos. Uh, and they want to do this. Photographers and graphic designers are really excited about this because they got improved cropping controls uh, for its mobile apps. And yeah, so these visual artists are really, really excited about this. But um, to me, it seems like every platform is trying to be like the other one. Like yeah, Twitter's trying to be like Instagram. Instagram wants to be TikTok. Pinterest wants to be Instagram and TikTok. I mean, so what do you think, Eric? Do you think this is going to make any difference? Is it going to help or hurt Twitter? I, I think that, you know, I, I looked at the example. I saw the picture and I looked at the before and I looked at the after of the same two tweets and that feed. And I thought to myself, I know which one of these is more appealing to me visually. And it was definitely the update. And so I, because it seems like on the the way it is now that you were kind of cramped and crowded the tweet itself, the visual, the media, the medium Mm -hmm. inside of the tweet. It's all like, here's the, here's the person here's like their text. And, and it's all kind of shifted over to the right. And then, you know, kind of compacted. Whereas yes, it does look like Instagram, but at the same time, like it feels like there's the content and everything has room to breathe. It's taking up more of the screen space in a more appealing scrolling way. So I'm all for this actually. I think anytime when a, an app makes it look, even if it's a small thing like that, cause really this is a small thing. 
Um, yes. But it makes the app feel fresh and updated. I mean, it just does. It doesn't feel dated. It, it does. I mean, so I think it's a good thing for their brand image. I want to know if we're going to have to change, like, like Dustin will have to update his, you know, style guide that he sends out every, every year. Are we going to have to come up with new images for our, you know, our thumbnails and all that kind of stuff when we start creating graphics? And especially us as social media managers and marketers, what does this mean for our workflow? You know, so I think it'll be interesting to see. But um, that's the first one. The other one is, this is the one you, you told me about, is this Twitter is hiding old tweets. So explain to me what this is. So it, yeah, it's, or it, it's a plan. It's experimenting and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So this is an option to archive old tweets so they're not visible to users after a given period of time. So like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or a whole year. Um, options to where you can limit who can see which tweets you've liked, um, let you remove, let people remove themselves from a conversation on Twitter. Man, that actually would come in handy. Um, and, you know, where you get keep getting notifications right. and you're like, I'm not even in this. I'm just tagged or mentioned yeah, it's like, or whatever. It's like those lists like, okay, who's your favorite podcast people? And then you're in this list for eternity and you keep getting yes. dinged on it. Yeah. So, and, and even let people, this one's good too. Let people remove followers without having to block them and or then unblock them to like sever that connection. I'm like, no, you're not my kind of follower. I actually think that's really cool um, because I've done that. There've been people who have followed me and I'm just like, yeah, I don't want you to follow me anymore. <laughs> what is soft blocking? For, for, they mentioned that in the reasons. article. Do you know what soft blocking is? I, I think it's what I just said where it's, it's, I block them but I don't keep the block. I, I then unblock them again. I've, okay. I've done this, Jeff. I'm not proud of it, but I okay. have done it. You block where them and unblock I them. want to, rem I want that person to never see my tweets anymore, but I don't want to permanently ban them from ever seeing if they were to come to like my profile and see that they're blocked. You know, okay. it's, it's kind of like muting somebody. It's like staying friends on Facebook, but muting them so that, that you never see them. They still see your stuff or okay. have the option to. Gotcha. So, so that makes sense. So, um, yeah, yeah. And they said that this is not that it's 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 in the concept phase right now. There's no timeline for the these changes, uh, like the archive option where you can archive some of your tweets, uh, which is really interesting because I'm wondering because so many people get in trouble for old tweets, like directors like tweeted something back at, like ten right. years ago. I'm wondering if they're allowing this option because of all of that. Because I'm sure we all have tweets that we wish we wouldn't have tweeted. Um, but I just, it's interesting that they, they say they don't know when that's going to roll out for sure, but it's going to reportedly plan on starting to let people remove themselves from conversations by the end of the year and let people remove followers starting this month. So there you go. You can start doing this and get, and clean up your Twitter list right now. So a yeah. couple of comments back when we were talking about the kind of Instagram style, um, of the layout for, um, that Twitter may be rolling out and he goes, Dustin goes graphic designer here. I don't like the edge to edge image on Twitter. I'm interesting. Why Dustin, why don't you like it? Uh, but he does like, he likes, he loves having the profile. Oh, this is why he loves having the profile photo to the left and everything else. And then it makes identifying who made the tweet easier. Okay. That's really cool. And Nancy well, see, goes, Hey Nancy, good to see you here. And says, remember yeah. when Twitter hid older tweets. So do you remember that? Eric? I don't remember that. I don't remember actually. that either. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to Dustin's point, I can see what he's saying, but I also don't like as I'm scrolling Instagram, which this is very reminiscent of uh, wonder, oh, whose picture is this? Because it's always like saying who it is right there. Mm -hmm. So Haley says, and, but I think there's room for a compromise between the two, the, the before right. and the after. Yeah. So, well, Haley says, if tweets are hidden, are they still searchable? And if they're still visible to the account holder, that's an interesting question. I do not know. Um, I think they're to searchable. That would, they would be. Yeah, if, you if would you be archiving through your own stuff, right? You yeah. Would assume, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. So, anyway, that's really cool. A um, lot of stuff happened on Twitter, which you know, somebody I think Ian or Dustin said it early in, in the show that you know, Twitter's kind of having a resurgence of you know stuff they're doing, and I like it. I mean, I kind of poo poo Twitter for a while, but I get a lot of engagement over there now. I you know, a lot of my content goes out there and does really well. So I, I'm kind of sold some of these new uh, things coming out. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, especially the community aspect we talked about at the beginning. Some of those community things, keeping people on the platform, giving us control to, you know, manage our communities. 
think that is very, very cool. It, yes, Dustin says it is a big week for Twitter. So that is really awesome. Um, thank you guys so much for showing up the show today. I want to make sure, because she had to bow out early, that you guys go check out uh, her show in two minutes, uh, the uh, the Christine show that you guys go over there and check her out because she, does a, she did an amazing job today. Um, and with that, I want to make sure we thank our sponsors of the show, the amazing people over at Ecamm. Like I said, they have the uh, amazing replay of Leap Into Live Streaming Bootcamp. You can get that for $10 for life at ecamm.tv forward slash replay. That's ecamm.tv forward slash replay. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, Where can people find out more about the great late Eric Fisher? Late. I will Anyways, get on time. I'm not yeah. dead. I'm not dead yet. Um, <laughs> no, go over, go check my podcast out. It's beyond the to do list.com. The re- most recent episode is with Dory Clark, and it's all about her new book, The Long Game, which is about adding the skill of long term thinking to achieving your goals. It is a great book. Many of you know who Dory is. It's awesome, and it's a great conversation, and you should definitely check it out. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for the comments. Thank you, Nancy, for saying it's great seeing you both together. By the way, we will be back next week with a show all about live video with our friend Ian Anderson Gray, who was in the comments. He will be joining us as our special guest next week. So make sure you guys check us out. You can always find us all the time on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Amazon. We're also a podcast. So make sure you go and do a search for Social Media News Live on your favorite podcast player and follow us over there. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Social Media News Live. See you guys next time. Bye now.